Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. From today's reading from Proverbs, does wisdom not call? In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. My wife, Emily, is a very patient and kind person, and As her husband, I give her many opportunities to cultivate these virtues. (laughs) She also has a wonderful eye for design, for knowing what pieces work in our home and where they go, and she likes to play and experiment, putting the vase here, living with it, making a change, tinkering, observing, letting things unfold in time. This is the exact opposite of how God created me to function. When I graduated from seminary, I went straight to rooms to go. I purchased a room in 20 minutes. (laughs) It was the ugliest room you'd ever seen, but it was done in 20 minutes with efficiency and speed. But with Emily, I've learned that beauty always takes time to unfold. But I really struggle with this, and I've gotten in trouble multiple times for my lack of patience. For instance, whenever we move, and we've done this three times now, without fail, I just start hanging things on the wall before Emily knows where they belong. This is very problematic because I'm not what you'd call a handy person. If I were to use this or to express this using basic algebra, it goes something like this. John plus a hammer plus Emily running errands plus John's secret plans to hang pictures without Emily knowing before she gets back equals, just equals a bad idea. That's, that's what it equals. And so last year, whenever we moved into a rental house, uh, we had these two beautiful and very heavy decorative window frames that we needed to hang. And for a while, they sat on the floor while Emily decided where they belonged. But one day when she was gone, I got an idea that I knew where they belonged and that I would hang them in our bedroom. And so I tried and, you know, first time wasn't a charm. No, for me, the 12th time was a charm. And attempts one through 11 left a four inch hole in our bedroom wall. I eventually did get them up, they were level, they covered the hole all before Emily got home. And even better, when she did get home, she walked in, she looked at my work, she smiled and said, wow, I'm actually impressed and surprised, those look good, nice job. And she left the room and I did a little happy dance. (laughs) Five seconds later, Emily walked back in the room and said, you know, Let's just try shifting those two inches to the right. We'll just see how they look. Let's not, I said. I really love them where they are. (laughs) Uh, But we moved them, and you probably know what happened next. And the next day, we had a handyman patching our wall and rehanging the frames. And so whenever we moved into uh, the house we bought last summer, Emily approached me on our first night in our new home, and she was carrying a hammer. 
And she said, do you know what this is? Yes, I said, it's a hammer. That's good, she said. And let me be very, very clear. <laughs> this is not for you. <laughs> she then explained that under no circumstances was I permitted to use this tool on any wall in our new home. Uh, but ever since this happened, a hammer has become a symbol for me, a representation for a posture in life where we insist on our own way, for those moments when we fail to be patient and kind people, forgetting that beauty and meaning often take time to unfold, a symbol for a life posture where we fail to empty ourselves and our agenda and our wishes to serve the people we love the most. Now, the book of Proverbs has a much more concise way of saying this, namely that we often fail to live in a way that is wise. Does not wisdom call, and does understanding not raise her voice, asks the author of Proverbs. Today, we find wisdom personified, pleading with the human race, wanting nothing more than to give herself to us, it's as if wisdom is bent on giving the gift that she is, and there is something that holds us back, as if we're not quite ready to receive or to want the gift. And uh, today is Trinity Sunday, and so as a church, we get really clear on what it means to live a life that is wise, and by that, I just mean a life that is aligned with who God is and with who God created us to be. Because as Christians, we define God in a very particular way. God, we say, is triune, a perfect, selfless community of love. And we affirm that within the Godhead, we find no competition, but only communion. No grasping, but only giving. No selfishness, but only service. And as people made in the image of this triune God, we acknowledge that this same quality of relationship is meant to inform how we relate to one another. Because let's face it, it's in the arena of our relationships that our lack of wisdom tends to get played out. So, for example, whenever we experience pain or disappointment in life, it is only natural to look to other people to take our pain away, to remove the emptiness and to fill us back up. So, as a kid, whenever we'd fall down and scrape our knee and scream, we'd look for mom and dad to patch it up and give us a kiss and make the world right again, to take away our pain. But as we grew up, we found that the cuts in life were deeper and a lot more complicated. And so as we entered new relationships, we unconsciously placed greater and greater expectations on the people we love to take our pain away and to make us feel good. Love, we imagined, was scarce. And so we learn to compete for love, to grasp for love, to demand love. All of us wanting to be filled, none of us wanting to be emptied. 
But of course, what never occurred to us is that a perfect community of self-emptying love, which we call the Trinity, that this might just be the very thing that sustains our life and our universe. Because here's the thing, we're all really comfortable with the idea that God is love. But what we forget is that for this statement to have any meaning whatsoever, there must be within the Godhead three distinct persons. Not three gods, but three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what we believe about these three persons is that they are so free to empty themselves for the other that we can only say that the three are actually one. It's an amazing thing we profess. And so to get really practical for a moment, here's what this means. It means that true love, not the love we learn about from magazines and movies, but love is a theological virtue. It means that true love is self-emptying, or what theologians call kenosis. It's a virtue we see demonstrated very clearly in Philippians chapter 2, where we're told that Christ Jesus, who, though in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but that he emptied himself, taking the posture of a slave. You see, what Paul says here is really, really profound, that the Son of God's choice to empty himself and serve the human race was an act that was perfectly aligned with God's nature. Put differently, God's choice to become human and die for us, this doesn't disguise who God really is. It reveals who God really is, the most selfless, generous, patient, loving being in the whole universe, a God who became human not to drop the hammer, but to drop the hammer, to lay it down, to cease using it altogether, and to take up a cross in its place. And this same God, God invites us to do likewise in our relationships with one another. And this God tells us that the way of self-emptying love is the only sane and wise way to live. Now, will growing our capacity to love others as God loves us, will this take time to unfold? No doubt about it. Beautiful things always do. But God's desire is to decorate the universe with people committed to this life of love. And so today, on Trinity Sunday, we pray that God would use us in this work, that our transformed lives would adorn God's world, that we would know what Paul says in 1 Corinthians to be the absolute truth, that love is patient, that love is kind, that love never insists on its own way. We pray for clarity to see whatever relational hammer it is that we far too often use to get our own way. Blame, silence, manipulation, passive-aggressive speech, whatever that is for us, 
And as people made in the image of a triune God, we pray for wisdom to see that these tools, they're just not for us. And above all, we want to see that a perfect community of self-emptying love is the very thing that sustains our life and our world. And we pray for a greater desire and willingness to see how we might empty ourselves for other people to build up and bless the people in our lives. And all this we pray in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.